0: So we're in John chapter 18, verse 28, the title of our message this morning is Living Life Intentionally. We're in a section of scripture where we're actually witnessing the inquisition of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you remember, when he was arrested in the garden, he didn't put up any fight. In fact, he said to Peter in, in John 18, 11, Peter, put your sword away, put it back in the sheath told Peter, put your sword away. Put it back in the sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? And in a reference to communion in Luke twenty-two nineteen, 19, Jesus said, Do this in remembrance of me. Because if we would just take the cup and remember Jesus, it would be so much easier to put down our sword. Proverbs 12, 18 says, <coughs> Here is one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I was just on vacation with my wife in September, and it was a a family vacation, her sister's 50th birthday, and they took a cruise, you know, so so that (laughs) that was difficult in and of itself. But there were times on this cruise where, I just felt the cruise ship was just absolutely wrong. And I was, I was livid. I mean, I paid for 6,000 megabytes of data so I could stay connected with my phone and stay connected to work. And uh, we went off the ship and were not connected to the Wi-Fi, I came back on the ship, and poof, it was gone. There was another time where the food on the ship, well, it really wasn't that good on this cruise ship, but there's on deck 16, there's a place you can take your wife and have a nice dinner and pay a little bit extra. So we did that, and the food was great. It really was, um, but then the waiter came up to me and said, I'm sorry, but your credit's been denied. <laughs> <laughs> a little embarrassing, uh, and I'm like, well, the only thing I've charged is $149 for the data, but thank you very much. So anyway, I went down to the front desk, and as I left the front desk, my wife pointed out that my words were just a little sharp. <laughs> Actually, she said, nice job, Pastor.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's funny, but we always need somebody in our lives to speak oh, the truth, yeah. don't yeah. Yeah. we? It's do. <laughs> always our wife. It's our wife. Hopefully it's our wives. <laughs> <laughs> and as groups like this, we need that. But when dealing with conflict, we need to pause and ask ourselves, what's in your hand? Is it a sword that brings pain? Or is it the cup of suffering that brings humility? In Matthew 5, 5, Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The NLT reads, God blesses those who are gentle and lowly and humble. Now, in today's verses, Jesus is on trial. He won't fight back. And it's not just one trial. It's six trials. Three before the Jews, which are religious trials, of course, and three before Rome, which are civil trials. And in the three trials before the Jews, he's proclaimed a sinner. He goes before Annas, the high priest, in John 18, 12, and the decision of Annas, execute him. Then he goes before Caiaphas, the high priest, in Matthew 26. Now, Caiaphas was the one who said in John 18, 14, Caiaphas is the one that said it's better that one man should die for the people. How profound, how accurate. His decision, death sentence for blasphemy. And then he gets sent before the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is a council of 70 elders plus the high priest that kind of run everything in Jerusalem. And, and actually there was no evidence presented to the, to the high priest so he shouldn't even have been sent to court but instead of dismissing the case the Sanhedrin proceeded to hold an illegal court and their decision death sentence then he goes before Pilate in John 18 28 our verses for today And Pilate's decision not guilty and then Pilate sends him to Herod in Luke 23 Herod's decision not guilty Herod sends him back to Pilate. Again, our verses for today, his decision, not guilty. But then he turns Jesus over to be crucified. So the Jews find him guilty. Rome finds him not guilty. But we see in Matthew 27, verse 24, it says, So when Pilate saw he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, He took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the Jewish people answered, his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released them for Barabbas. Then he released them for Barabbas, having scourged Jesus, and delivered him to be crucified. It's a little confusing for me. As you read through the Harmony of the Gospels, I've got a book called The Harmony of the Gospels, and it, and it has the Gospels in chronological order. So if you're in Luke 23 and Matthew 27 and John 19, it shows them all in chronological order so you can read through the different eyewitness accounts at the same time as they happened. And so it helps when you're doing the study to do that and see the different witness point of view because one guy may say, hey, was me and John with Jesus and the other guy may say it was it was me and John and the other guys with Jesus neither one's incorrect right just a different eyewitness account and so you can see some of the things that are missing that an eyewitness left out of the gospel because he's written, writing to different people right some of them wrote to Rome some of them wrote to the Jews so they wrote it Differently as they're presenting their evidence. Anyway, when you read through the Harmony of the Gospels, it gets a little confusing to me because it keeps referring to Annas and Caiaphas as the high priest. In fact, in Luke 3.2, it says, Annas and Caiaphas were the high priest. But there can only be one high priest. What's up with that? Well, Annas was the Jewish-appointed high priest, and scholars think that Caiaphas was the Roman-appointed priest. High priest, but Jewish law in Exodus twenty nine nine says the high priest is appointed for life, like a, a supreme court justice in the United States. Your high priest for life. So even though Annas had been ousted and Caiaphas had been put in place by Rome, the Jews still looked to Annas. He was their high priest, and since Caiaphas was his son in law, I mean, after all, it is a family business. <laughs> <laughs> Caiaphas acquiesced so you have two high priests and that's why Jesus was sent to Annas first he carried the clout in the family and here's another thing and it's important these super religious Jews that prided themselves on keeping every single law in, from the Old Testament were well it's just a situation like we have now. It, it, is, it is people that say one thing and do another. They're double-minded. Uh, it, it's, here they are, all high and mighty, doling out capital punishment to Jesus for breaking their laws, and yet the entire arrest and trial of Jesus was highly illegal. It was a farce. Number one, there was no legal basis for his arrest. No one presented a formal charge of a crime. Before they arrested him. Number two, Jewish law permitted only daylight proceedings. They arrested him at night so no one could testify on his behalf. Number three, the Jewish court, the Sanhedrin, they're not allowed by law to originate the charges. Can't do that. Can you imagine being arrested for a capital offense and they're arresting you for something, a crime like murder that you could be executed for and you're innocent? And you you tell your accuser, just tell it to the judge, and the accuser says, I am the judge. What are your chances? That's what happened to him. Jewish law didn't permit the trial of a capital offense to begin on a Friday. You can't do it on a Friday. You can't also, you cannot do it the day before festival day. Well, it was not only a Friday, the day before the Sabbath, but it was also the day before the festival of unleavened bread. Can't do it. Jesus' trial was concluded in one day. For a capital offense, they give you two because you need to have time for your witnesses to come up and testify on your behalf. That's why they don't let you do it on a Friday because Saturday's the Sabbath. Number six, there were two false witnesses who charged Jesus with saying that he would destroy the temple made with hands. Yet they charged him with blasphemy. Number seven, It says he was condemned on his own testimony, but Jewish law says a person can't be condemned on their own testimony. Number eight, the merits of his defense were not considered. Deuteronomy 13, 14 says the high priest must inquire and make search and ask diligently to see if Jesus' statement was blasphemous. And the law of the Mishnah, the Mishnah is an ongoing commentary of the Old Testament. It's an ongoing commentary of the law. And it says, judges shall weigh the matter in sincerity of their confidence. Instead, they pronounce a death sentence without deliberation. Number nine, his opponents made sure that only those who hated him would be there. Joseph of Arimathea was a member of the Sanhedrin. He loved Jesus. In fact, he's the guy that went to Pilate and said, Give me his body. I want to prepare it for burial. And he's the guy that gave him his tomb. He wasn't there. Number ten, the sentence was pronounced in a place forbidden by law got to be a court. They did it in Annas' living room. Can't do that. Number 11, judges were required to be impartial. Obviously, the judges were his enemies. Number 12, they switched the charges. They charged him with blasphemy, but when they went to Pilate, they said treason. No evidence of treason was ever presented Pilate allowed the Jews to crucify an innocent man only because of politics. Sound familiar? Sound familiar. Brett Kavanaugh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's no different today. There was about to be a riot. There was about to be an uprising. Pilate can't have that. Can't go back to Rome. He's going to lose his position. The, The trial of Jesus was a complete mockery of justice, but it had to happen. And we tend to think he only suffered on the cross, but he suffers through his trials. If you read through the, through the Harmony of the Gospels, they put a bag over his head and beat him. Couldn't see the punches coming, you know? That's when a boxer gets knocked out. A boxer sees a punch coming, he can move with it. Or, or a quarterback, if he sees a guy coming, he'll move with it. But it's when they get blindsided, that's why that left tackle is so important. If he gets blindsided, they, they get taken out. He was beat with a bag over his head. He had his beard pulled out. He became marred more than any man. Isaiah fifty-two fourteen. it says, But many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man. Written thousands of years before. Our verses for today, John 18, verse 28. Jesus' trial before Caiaphas ended in the early hours of the morning. Then he was taken to the headquarters of the Roman governor. His accusers didn't go in themselves because it would defile them and they wouldn't be allowed to celebrate the Passover feast. So Pilate, the governor, went out to them and asked, What is your charge against this man? We wouldn't have handed him over to you if he weren't a criminal, they retorted. Then take him away and judge him by your own laws, Pilate told them. Only the Romans are permitted to execute someone, the Jewish leaders replied. Verse 32, this fulfilled Jesus' prediction about the way he would die. Then Pilate went back inside and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews, he asked him. You see, there's no doubt Pilate had seen his share of trials. And this is a time people start pleading for their lives. Time to be entertained by his side of the story. Are you the king of the Jews, he asked him. Jesus replied, Jesus replied, Is this your question, or did others tell you about me? He's saying, why do you ask? Is this part of the investigation, or do you personally want to know? Because if you personally want to know if I'm the king of the Jews, this is an entirely different conversation. Am I a Jew, Pilate asked? Your own people and their leading priests brought you here. Why? What have you done? It seems to me that Pilate's caught off by the casualness Jesus isn't pleading for his life. Everyone pleads for their life. Everyone. And Pilate didn't want to get caught up in a Jewish debate because they always end up in the religious realm. And Pilate would have known about this man, Jesus. I mean, he he would have heard the commotion that happened on Palm Sunday. Herod knew about Jesus. Luke 23, 8 says, Herod was delighted at the opportunity to see Jesus because he had heard about him and had been hoping for a long time to see him perform a miracle. So Pilate turns the conversation back to the, to the accusation. Am I a Jew, Pilate asked? Your own people and their leading priests brought you here. Why? What have you done? Done, Jesus said. Let me first answer your question as to whether I'm a king or not. It's amazing. Jesus is able to control this entire conversation. He's bound and beaten again. Yet he has this calm confidence. It's not arrogance. It's not anger. It's confidence. And pay attention here because he's showing us how to deal with life. We saw in our prayer request today a lot of adversity in life. He's, saying, he's showing us how to face things that seem out of our control. And he didn't only control the conversation. He controlled himself and his incredible power. So Proverbs twelve eighteen There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise bring Healing. The calm of Jesus had to be a little unnerving. And I think maybe that's why they beat him. You see, when they scourged someone, they would do it as a part of the interrogation process. <laughs> if you were arrested by Rome and they wanted to interrogate you, it's not like today where they take you in a little box and the uh, detectives play good cop, bad cop, and they ask you some questions and hope that you'll crack. No, they, they, they beat you and they whip you until you start confessing crimes. And they would beat you harder and harder until you started confessing. So there's no doubt many people confessed for things back then that they didn't do at all just to stop the scourging. Not Jesus. He kept quiet. So it would have been harder and they would have whipped him harder and harder. Isaiah 53, 7 says, He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, He did not open his mouth because regardless of the circumstances, Jesus knows who's really in charge. Number one on your outline, Jesus is showing his followers how to face life. If you really know whose you are, you have the ability to face all of life with the calm confidence in the power and love of God. Then Pilate went back inside in verse 33 and called for Jesus to be brought to him. And he says, are you the king of the Jews? He asked him. Jesus said, king, I'm not an earthly king. My kingdom is not of this world. It's like asking the king of England if he's the mayor of a small village times a million. In verse 36, then Jesus answered, I'm not an earthly king. If I were, my followers would have fought when I was arrested by the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. He didn't care how outlandish that sounded because it's the truth. And Pilate had never met a man so confident in the face of such difficulty. Here's a guy confident about his future when it seems that he has none. Because Jesus knew what was going to happen and he had total confidence in the power of God. So Pilate replied... You are a king, then. Jesus said, You say that I'm a king, and you're right. I was born for that purpose, and I came to bring truth to the world. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. So there's a new word brought in the conversation here truth. What is truth? Pilate asked. Then he went out again to the people and told them, He's not guilty of any crime. On to verse 1 of chapter 19. Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. The whips would have lead tips that have pieces of bone fragments. And as they whipped a person, it would wrap around their body, grab pieces of flesh and muscle (coughs) and tendon and rip it off the body. Not just the back. So he'd be in shock, heavy shock from loss of blood. And he kept silent so the beating would have gotten more severe the man who seemed to have the least power was the calmest. It's okay, that may be better. (laughs) Picture this in your mind's eye. The Jews are screaming, Pilate's questioning, and Jesus is calmly answering questions. It had to be unnerving. (laughs) He declared Jesus innocent, but he still had him scourged, perhaps thinking, maybe I can get the Jews to show a little compassion here. Let me have this guy scourged, and maybe we can be done with this. In verse 2, it says, The soldiers made a crown of long, sharp thorns and put it on his head, and they put a royal purple robe on him. Hail, (laughs) king of the Jews, they mocked, and they hit him with their fists. Pilate went outside again and said to the people for the second time, I'm going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. I'm going to bring Jesus out to you. He's beaten. He's bloody. He's been tortured. Understand I did this to satisfy you, but I personally find him not guilty. And then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate (laughs) said to them, behold the man. And I believe that is a statement of respect Behold the man In verse 6 When they saw him The leading priest and temple guards Began shouting crucify Crucify you crucify him Pilate said for the third time I find him not guilty The Jewish leaders replied By our laws he ought to die Because he called himself the son of God When Pilate heard this He was more frightened than ever it's amazing it says he was more frightened than ever it doesn't say Jesus was frightened they're yelling at Pilate but they're really yelling at Jesus and he wasn't frightened because he knew God was in control circumstances are not in control of you 1 Thessalonians 5.18 reads give thanks in all circumstances the Greek word for all means all Give thanks for all, in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. People who seem to have power over you are not in control of you. Jesus is beaten and physically broken but he's not broken. Luke 22, 19 says, And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you Do this in remembrance of me. God is in control. The key word here. Number two on your outline. Control is a key word here. Control is a key word. Jesus knew Pilate was not in control. Romans 8.31 says, What can we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Letter A, God is in control, is a key word here, letter A, no man, no matter how seemingly powerful, has control over what God is doing. Letter B, Jesus, the most powerful person to ever walk the planet, was totally in control of his power. Remember in the garden when they came to rest Jesus and, and they asked, and he said, "I am," and they all fell back? Remember when he calmed the sea and, and the demonic he healed? You know, he didn't say that's it. Actually, that's what was going on here. The battle wasn't against flesh and blood, right? This is a battle against Satan and his hold over earth and sinful man. That's what this is. Verse nine. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. It's like Pilate is saying, Give me something to work with here. Where are you from? I've already flogged you. Don't you realize I have power over you? I have power over your very next breath. But Jesus doesn't answer his questions, "Where Where are you from anyway? It says Jesus gave no answer. In verse 10 it says, You won't talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize I have the power to release you or crucify you? Power. You think you have power? This is the most amazing statement of confidence by Jesus. He says, you won't talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have (coughs) power to release you or crucify you? Then Jesus said, you would have no power over me at all. Unless it was given to you from above, so the one who brought me to you has the greater sin. He—he's just been flogged by the men who work for this man, okay? And Jesus says, "You have no power over me." He's just been beaten and made fun of. And and we've all had those situations where we've wondered, "Where are you, God?" We've all had them. And if you haven't had it, you're about to. We've all had those situations. And if there was ever a situation where it it seems obvious that God is without the power to rescue, it's there. And then Jesus said, you would have no power over me at all unless it was given to you from above. So the one who brought me to you has the greater sin. It's amazing, the confidence. The one who seems to be in charge isn't. It says in verse 8, Pilate was even more frightened than ever. Yet the one who seems to have no power, Jesus, is not frightened. He's not frightened. His disciples had abandoned him. It doesn't matter. He was confident in the power of whose he was. <coughs> Number three on your outline. If Jesus is so confident in the midst of this incredible pain and humiliation, shouldn't it teach us to be confident no matter what we face? Because this is freaking Pilate out. Fear. Fear. He's a guy without confidence. There's an out-of-control mob, and yet Jesus is totally in control, and Pilate's trying to not lose control. In verse 12, it says, Then Pilate tried to release him. But the Jewish leaders told him, If you release this man, you are not a friend of Caesar. Anyone who (coughs) declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. They know exactly what to say to him. They know his hot buttons. And, and, and Pilate's like a pinball bouncing back and forth from fear of the mob to awe of Jesus behold the man he doesn't know what to do number four on your outline <clears throat> you become an emotionally unstable pinball when you lean on your own power and understanding you become an emotionally unstable pinball when you lean on your own power and understanding Pilate was obviously terrified Jesus, on the other hand, is a rock of confidence. Number five on your outline. When I find myself losing confidence and succumbing to despair, it's a warning to check what my confidence is built on. Proverbs 3 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will direct your paths. On to verse 14. It was now about noon of the day of preparation for the Passover, and Pilate said to the people, Here is your king. Away with him, they yelled. Away with him. Crucify him. What? Crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the leading priest shouted back. Then Pilate gave Jesus to them to be crucified. It says again in Matthew 27, he saw he wasn't getting anywhere, that a riot was developing, so he sent for a bowl of water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this man. The responsibility is yours. So Pilate, he's trying to navigate some uncomfortable circumstances is what he's trying to do. To Jesus... This is an opportunity to show that he totally trusted God regardless. That he could do all things, endure all things, because he and the Father are one. Philippians 4.13 says, For I can do everything with the help of Christ who gives me the strength I need. Number six on your outline. Life gives us opportunities that are life marks. A life mark, not a landmark. A life mark is a moment or a decision, something you choose to do that's marked you for life. That's a life mark. We all have those. Letter A, opportunities to show our observers how we handle adversity. When you have those life marks, what do your kids see? How do you handle it? Letter B, Opportunities to show ourselves that we trust God no matter what happens. Letter C, opportunities to give God an offering of trust. And letter D, opportunities to mildly identify with Christ. Hebrews 11.6 says, So you see, it's impossible to please God without faith. Final point, number seven on your outline. This responsibility to totally trust Christ in all circumstances is also our opportunity and privilege. Otherwise, the circumstances of the world drive our emotions and dictate our decisions. Pilate said as he washed his hands I am innocent of this man's blood and the Jews actually responded his blood be on us and our children so be it and this is the gospel because we're all guilty of crucifying Jesus we're all guilty of sin we've all sinned we've all fallen short that's why Jesus needed to shed his blood to bring about forgiveness and the hope of eternal life in heaven. We went through his trials. He, he endured six difficult trials. But there's a seventh. It's in here. Who is he? What's your decision? Is he innocent or guilty? Guilty. trust him. Don't lean on your own understanding. Accept him. Follow him. And he'll give you that peace. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word and the encouragement to us as we face life. It's not always easy, but it is wonderful, Lord, and we thank you for it. We thank you for every day, every breath we have. I pray for every man in this room, for their families, for their business, for their relationships. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Thank you.